0: First of all, Rebecca, no kidding. Let go of the list. Amen. And Martha, sister, General Zaruba is in the house. Can I just say General Zaruba is in the house. I am telling you, no kidding, God. It says over in Habakkuk that he will do a work that we, or is it Haggai, that we will, he was, is going to do a work we wouldn't believe if we heard it, if we saw it. And uh, Raleen, yeah, between everybody so far, they've preached 99% of my message this morning, so I'm just going to reiterate everything God has already said. And do you love our worship team or what? Yeah. You know, the reality is we're really quite spoiled here. And the reason I say that this particular way is that Some people go through their whole entire life and never really feel the presence of God. You can sit on some church pews for years and years and years and never feel or sense or hear what we hear every Sunday. And what a gift. Now, it's even better because the reality is this is what God wants In your living room or on your couch or sitting at your kitchen table with your cup of coffee with him every single day. Yeah, this is what God wants to be your reality. And it can be and it's not far-fetched. Amen? So thank you so much for the honor of being with everybody today and bringing the word of the Lord. We'll be out by 5 o'clock in time for dinner. No, no, really, blessed are the short-winded they shall be heard from again. And I have to tell you, one of my pet peeves is people that get up and, you know, and they they preach away, and by the time they're done, everybody leaves, and, and they say, oh, that was a wonderful message. Oh, gee, that was so good. And then you say, what did they say? I don't know, but it was really good. Well, today, if you're a note taker, I used to say get out your pen, but now I say get out your phone, and I won't think you're texting because if you are texting, the Holy Ghost will show me. <laughs> Mwah. No, no, he won't. He loves you. Okay, let me tell you what we're going to do this morning. Usually, I usually the Lord gives me a scripture and digs out every little finite detail. And we zero in on a concept. But today we're casting vision. And so we're going to talk about three different stories. And we're going to go up to the 30,000, 40,000 foot view. And we're going to see an overview of where God is taking us. So we're going to do story number one. And then we're going to do story number two. And I'm not going to tell you what story number three is till we get there because I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to you don't want to see the back of the book before we get there, do you? Look at all you liars. Yes you do. You want to know? Yeah, you do. Sure we do. Okay, so I promise you'll I promise you won't go to sleep by the time we get to the back of the story. How's that? Fair enough? Okay, so we're going to do two stories today. One of them is in 1 Kings 17, 17. The second one, you know, it's smart. Tell people what you're going to do, and then when you do it, they're not lost. So 1 Kings 17, 17. The second story is going to be in 2 Kings 4, 18. So 1 Kings 17, 17, and... 2 Kings 4.18. This is just going to read a little story and tell a little story today. There was a guy named Elijah. I mean, they've they, I told you, they've already preached all my sermons. Anyway, so there's a guy named Elijah. There's a horrible famine in the land, and God sends him to a brook, and the brook dries up. Thanks, Jesus, I really appreciate that. Have you ever obeyed God, and you got out there, and everything dried up? Yeah. So God says, don't worry, I'm sending you to the poorest widow woman in Zarephath and she's going to take care of you. Thanks, not the Hilton, huh? He says, go anyway. So he goes and he says when he gets there, he says, "I'm, you know, I'm hungry. And he tells the widow woman over in 1 Kings 17, 17, we will get there, but this is the preamble. He tells her, I'm really hungry, I need some water, will you please make me a little cake and bring it to me? And she says, nothing doing, buddy. Yeah, don't you love her attitude? Isn't it great? Sound like us? Nothing doing, buddy. I don't even have enough flour for me, enough oil for me. I'm gathering up two sticks. We're going home. My son and I are going to eat and we're going to die. Wow, mighty woman of faith, huh? That was good. So he says, he has the audacity to say, make me a little cake first and bring me some water because, you know, those blasted prophets, they have an answer for everything. Thus says the Lord, the flour's not going to run out, the oil's not going to run out until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And she was crazy enough to do what he said. And then disaster struck, verse 17. It came about after these things, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick. And his sickness was so awful, so severe, there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what do I have to do with you, O man of God? Have you come here to bring all of my iniquity out in the open and to kill my son? And Elijah walks up to her and he says, give me your son. And he takes the son from her, hauls him up to an upper room, lays him on the bed, stretches out over him three times, and the long short story is raises the boy from the dead, takes him back downstairs, hands him to his mom, and she says an amazing thing. Now I know you're a man of God and that the word of God in your mouth is truth. Story number one. Story number two, fast forward. There's a guy named Elisha, S-H-A. Now, I had some friends one time who had two sons. (sighs) Why do people do this to their children? One of their sons' name was Ken. Their other son's name was Kent. I don't know if they did that so that when they got in trouble, they could just shoot both of them, or what the deal was. Why do you do that? Why did God do Elijah and Elisha? I think it's just to make sure we were really paying attention when we read. Don't you? So fast forward. Now we're at Elisha, and Elisha, Elisha's passing through a place named Shunem, and there's a woman there. And she sees him, and she says, you know what? And this is over in 2 Kings 4, starting around verse 18. And she says, you know what? She tells her husband, this is a holy man of God. And he's going by here continually. And she compels him to come in and have dinner with him all the time, every time he passes through. Then she says, I don't think this is enough. And they build him a room up on the roof, and one day he wants to tell her thank you, and he says, you know, what can we do for you? She says, I'm content. I don't need anything. And he says, about this time next year, you're going to have a son. And she says, don't lie to me. Isn't that great? I mean, doesn't that mess with your theology, right? How many times have we heard, if you don't pray, God can't give it to you because you didn't ask? Not only did she not ask, she didn't even believe the promise, and God did it anyway. Yeah, Yeah, that'll mess with you, won't it? What? Because he's so sovereign and so loving and so kind. So God says, you know, I'm going to give her a son, and he does. And then guess what? They get used to living with the new son, with the miracle, and now he's about 11 or 12 years old. He goes out to the harvest. He's with his dad there at the reapers, and... He starts complaining about his head hurting. and His head hurts. And they send him home. He sits on his mom's lap until noon. And the promise dies. And she picks that boy up. And she isn't having none of that. Yeah. I'm just telling the story. I'm not even preaching it yet. But you are. She is having none of that. She picks that boy up. Now, listen, if you think you're all that strong, do we have anybody in here that's 12? Got a 13-year-old? Got an 11-year-old? Come here, Hattie. Come on, come on, come on. Let's have a little fun. Now, if this awesome person right here is, I'm not going to kill you, I promise. That, that's, that's your mom and dad's threat, not mine, Okay. But if she is dead weight, you think she'd be easy to pick up? Mama is not a happy camper. She has a promise from God. That promise just died on her lap. And she picks this kid up, throws her over her shoulder. Come here, Lisa. Come on. I mean, let's put this in perspective. Come here. (laughs) Come here. This is Mama. I mean, it's not like you can't tell, right? I mean, like Lisa and re-Lisa. Okay, but what I'm getting at is, can you see determination in this story? She picks her up and hauls her up the stairs to Elisha's room. And nothing's going to stop her, thank you so much. See, that wasn't so painful, was it? (laughs) I don't ask other people to do that. Listen, guys, I have horses. That horse feed is 50 pounds a bag. Yeah, and I can only do one bag at a time, but those big old guys that load my truck, sometimes they do too. Okay, so she takes him up the stairs, and off she goes, and she gets Elisha, and she is not letting him stay where he is, and she hauls him right back there. And guess what the long and short of it is? Kid gets raised from the dead. We have two stories here that look the same and they're not. Okay? This is a tale of two tales. We have two places, two promises, two problems, two prophets, and two completely different processes. And let me tell you what, we have two completely different endings. And now that you're all completely questioning, let me tell you why. This is a word for the body of Christ. Listen closely. This is a word, these two stories are a word for Fireworks Church. But Fireworks Church is made up of individuals. And this is a word from the Lord for us as individuals. In fact, the Lord spoke to me and said, this is not an invitation. This is a calling and a compelling and a commission. He that hath an ear, let him hear. So let's go back to our first story. This is a widow woman. She is in the town of Zarephath, and the word Zarephath means refining. And she is having a difficult time. Let me say that when we first give our lives to Jesus, probably the most important thing we are aware of is that God begins refining us. Isn't that usually the first thing we're aware of? I got I gave my heart to Jesus. What happened? He took my sin away. He removed my guilt. I talked to a new believer last night. She is so excited about meeting Jesus, because she was into New Age and Reiki and meditation and all that stuff, and she got down to meditate one day, and Jesus appeared to her and said, follow me in a vision, and she said, okay, I will. Yeah, Yeah. and I just found out last night that she is actually, by heritage, an Ashkenazi Jew. So welcome to the family, to the seed of Abraham. Is that not awesome? But really, what's her first thing that she was saying is, oh my gosh, it's just the most wonderful thing. My guilt is gone, right? Because when we first come in, what happens? We start getting refined. And day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year, Holy Spirit is working in us to form us into the image of Jesus. And that is not just religious talk. That is the reality, the absolute reality of what God Almighty wants to do in every one of you. And I don't care if you're only five years old. Yeah, because I wish we had a 12-year-old in here because, oh, can I borrow you? What's your name? <sighs> because I was her age when I preached my first sermon. That's what I mean. Do you know the hand of God? God didn't look at you and go, huh, oh, she's just 12. I'll wait till she's 35. Are you kidding? God's looking at her and go, oh, my gosh. By the time she's y'all's age, oh, Let me have you now, right? Why? Because these guys have faith that moves mountains. These guys believe anything is possible. Now, they won't shout about it all the time because, you know, it's important to be cool. At least sometimes, right? Sometimes? Sometimes. Okay, thank you so much. So the reality is, what does God want to do? Well, God wants to form us into the image of Jesus, and he's not just joking. He really does mean that. He's, I don't mean walking around like, you know, all that religious garbage. No, no, no. Now, the woman here in Zarephath is a widow, and that Hebrew word is also translated desolate. And just for those of you who think that those of us who are widows are desolate and poor and pitiful, I got news for you. You come up here and let's talk because my maker is my husband and the Holy One of Israel is my redeemer and the God of the whole earth shall he be called. And that doesn't sound desolate to me. Does it sound like that to you? Amen. We appreciate the guys. But if you don't have a guy, you're not less. I'm listening for the big amen from the guys. Yeah, amen. Okay. So in the refining process... God gave the woman a son, and the word son means builder of the family name. And this was her future, this was her promise, this was her security, and she was hanging on to him for all she had. But one day the promise perished. Got sick, and we don't know how long this kid was sick, but we do know this. His sickness was so severe, there was no breath, he that has an ear. There was no breath left in him. Now, how on God's green earth can this happen? Elijah's in the house. Really? I mean, Jesus is in the house. How can something bad possibly happen? Welcome to a fallen world, right? So Elijah's in the house, and the builder of the family name gets sick, and the term there doesn't mean just physically sick. It literally means grief, Being wounded, any emotional wounds ever happen to people? Grief, being wounded and weary. And if you trace it back, the word means to writhe in fear. To be overcome by fear. And the sickness was so severe there was no breath in him. That word sickness actually can be traced back to, are you ready? Anxiety. Anxiety was so severe there was no breath left in him. And I know you want to know what the word severe means because it means hard-hearted. His illness, this builder of the family name, the promise, was so severe Gosh, it's nice to have somebody smile at me. Thank you. It was so severe, so hard hearted, so crusty, there was no breath left in the promise. Yes, there was no breath left in the promise. And we think of hard-heartedness having to do with unbelievers. Let me tell you what, believers are in more danger of being hard-hearted than non-believers ever thought about being because we've got it all figured out. We know we go to church on Sunday and we have our devotional every day and we pray about this and we know what we believe and we came up to this portion of revelation and then we just sat down because after all, we got it. Yeah, 100,000 years ago there was a comedy called Laugh-In. Most of you were not even born. However, for those of us who have gray hair and remember, there was a little girl named Edith Ann played by Lily Tomlin who said, I don't go to school anymore. I went one day, I learned everything. (sighs) Hard-heartedness will absolutely take the breath out of us. It will take the life breath of God Almighty right out of us. And it didn't matter that Elijah was in the house because the term the mistress of the house is actually the feminine term for Baal. There was a Baal in the house. Now for those of you who are not familiar, Baal was a false god who demanded child sacrifice. And you better believe that false god in her house was going to take that promise. Hello, right? And you know Baal was actually ruling in the house if you listen to what she says. What does she say? What do I have to do with you, man of God? Have you come here to expose my sin man, and kill my son? Yeah, listen to our talk when we get under pressure. Well, so it says Elijah went up to her and took her son from her. Took her from her arms, some translations say. Some translations say took her from, took, took the child from her bosom. The Hebrew word means enclosed. She was hanging on to that dead child for everything she had. That was her promise. And even though it was dead, she wasn't going to turn loose. Are you tracking with me? This is my promise. Me, me, me. My, my, my. My, my, mine. This is mine. I'm not going to let it go. Nobody can have it. I don't care if you say you're a man of God. Besides that, I'm ticked at you. And you came in here and you exposed my sin and you're going to kill my son. Yeah, just like. You know, she did have it on us, though. She was honest enough to say it. We just think it. Come on. You know how we are. Why did God do this? Why did God do that? It's getting awfully quiet. Selah. That means pause and consider. Come on, y'all. We all get frustrated. We all get fed up. We all let things come into our thoughts or out of our mouth. We go, whoo the fishing reel i need to pull that one back in hello come on hello anybody beside me guilty thank you for the four honest souls in this place thank you kelly double i know if i could get my feet up i'd do it too however he literally had to pry her son away from her it says he took him he seized him Is the word he seized him out of her arms he pried him away he hauls him up the stairs, puts it on, puts that dead child on his bed, and guess what happens? He starts to pray. And you know what his prayer sounds like? The gripey woman. Lord God, what are you doing? Have you come to kill this woman's son? I don't care how prophetic you are. I don't care how anointed we are. I don't care how much vision we have. If we don't guard our hearts, our prayer life starts sounding just like the world around us. And all we are doing is accusing God and filling the air with junk. Except Elijah's so cool. Because he said, Whoops, I'm on the wrong track. Whoo, he changed. Lord, he says, Oh Lord, my God. Let this child's breath, soul, another word, life, another word, same word, return into his inward parts. That's what it says, really. Let his soul, come on, guys, how long has it been since you really were in touch with your soul? Really in touch with your spirit? Really in touch with your heart? really in touch with the life breath of God. Elijah says, let his soul, his breath, the passion of his life, bring it back into his inward parts. And we've heard that inward parts thing before because David prayed it over in Psalm 51. You desire truth in the inward parts. Wow. Hello, And may the Lord bring back the breath of truth into our inward parts. But Elijah did something else. Oh, just a little side note. It said the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. Not his thoughts, not his ideas, not his perceptions to his voice because the promises of God are voice-activated. Open up your mouth and talk and agree with God. It's amazing what will happen. Now, Elijah stretched himself. We're so lazy. We don't want to stretch for anything. As long as I have a microwave, God, I'm good. I need it in 30 seconds. Thank you. Why do you think the 30-second button is on your microwave? Come on. We're too lazy to hit time. Three, zero. God forbid. That's so much effort. Where's the 30-second button? Elijah stretched himself. When was the last time you stretched yourself for anything? Should I just stop here? I'm only on story number one. When was the last time we stretched ourselves? Let me tell you, stretching doesn't happen By accident. And thank you, John Maxwell, while I steal this illustration, nobody ever fell up the mountain. Can I say it again? Nobody ever fell up the mountain. Oh, wow, gee, this was just amazing. I have no idea how I ended up in the heavenlies. We don't earn our way to the heavenlies, but I will guarantee you it takes effort to get there. So God heard his voice. God saw his stretching. God sent life back into this child's inward parts. And Elijah picks up that kid, hauls him down the stairs, hands him to his mom. And what does mom say? Who was just saying, how dare you come here and tell me about all my sin and kill my son? Oh, that's not in your King James Bible. Hmm, I guess I read the wrong translation. Anyway, she says, now. Now I know that you are a man of God. And that the word of God in your mouth is truth. They have been living a miracle for three years. They've been living on Miraculously supplied flour, miraculously supplied oil. Come on, they're in a famine. They have been eating for three solid years, and she's just now figuring out it's a man of God. Hello. Ever felt like that? Kelly, you and I are gonna <laughs> just hang out together. <laughs> we felt like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my oh my goodness, I was in the middle of a miracle. And I didn't even realize it. Ding! Hello. Story number one. Got it? Got the idea? Let's go to story number two. Story number two. There's a little tiny place called Shunem. I know. Whoever heard of Shunem? Well, remember Zarephath meant refining. Shunem means double resting place. Double resting place. Now we're talking about Elijah not Elijah. And there's a woman there and she's got perception much more than the widow did at Zarephath. And she says to her husband, this is a holy man of God and he's coming by here continually and he needs to come in here and eat. We need to serve him dinner Man, I hope she was a good cook. Because the better cook she was, the more Elisha probably was going to go by. Right, Kirsten? Yeah, amen, of course. I mean, come on, you guys. I mean, the way to a man's heart is through his. Thank you. That's in Hezekiah chapter 4. And for those of you who are new to the faith, there is no such thing as the book of Hezekiah. Just wanted you to know. I could be more obvious and just say that's in 1st Birdie, Chapter 2. But anyway, or 1st Kim, right? It's in 1st Kim, Chapter 2. So she recognizes that she perceived it was a holy man of God. Listen to this closely. Passing by continually. The Holy Spirit is passing by you continually. Do you recognize him? Do you see him? Do you hear him? Have you made time for him? Are you looking for him? Are you, are you aware? Holy Spirit is passing by your life constantly, continually, all the time. And the woman says, come in here and eat. Now, those of you that have heard me before, you know I am a word net. You notice I haven't given you any Strong's numbers today. Did you notice? Yeah, I want you to go look it up yourself. Okay, come on, get out your shovel, come on. Okay, so, I know this sounds crazy, but I'm reading along, and I thought, I wonder what that word eat means. Now, come on, we're Americans. Do we not know what eat means? What is the matter with you, Bertie? You don't know what eat means? Well, apparently God thought I didn't. So I had to look it up. And it means consume. Robert who prayed consume us Lord this morning. Thank you Robert. You know where else it's used? Isaiah 33 where it says just waiting for everybody to have a lovely day. Just waiting for everybody to get back with me. Okay? Our God is a consuming, fire. She compelled him to come in and eat. When was the last time you compelled the Holy Spirit to come in with this fire and just eat up everything that needed to be eaten? Look at the difference. I don't have enough food to feed me, much less I'm not feeding you. This woman, are you kidding? Come in here, Holy Spirit, and eat up everything we got. Eat us up. Consume us. Give us your life in place of our own. And so she builds him an upper room. And it wasn't going to be an empty upper room. She had to go furniture shopping. And her husband said, do we have to furnish it? And she said, oh, yeah. Yeah. Any guys here cringing a little? Anybody been furniture shopping lately? Hello? So they built him a room. Now, listen, where's the spiritual application to this? Oh, it's all over the place. Because the widow over in Zarephath had a poverty mentality. And she only gave to the prophet what she had. And that's where we make our mistake. Give Jesus everything you have. What did this woman do? She gave the prophet everything she didn't have also. She gave Elisha what she didn't have. She had a vision. She said, you know what, we can build him a room. And yes, there is a whole sermon on the bed and the chair and the table and the lampstand in the prophet's room for another day. Okay, so she builds the room and they give the prophet what they don't have when was the last time we looked for God to give him something that we never thought about giving him? When did we say, Lord, show me what I don't have yet, and I want to give that to you too? Where, where, yeah, when? So they built the room, and Elisha's really grateful. Or as Mama Ward, my spiritual mom, used to say, God pays for everything he orders. He's not a freeloader, and he's not cheap. Thank you very much. So Elisha calls her in and says, you have just done all this wonderful stuff. What can can we do for you? She says, I don't need anything. I'm good. She's contented. Whew! that'll preach. Godliness with contentment is great gain, Paul said. Are we contented or are we always chasing after something? The only reason she chased after something that wasn't there was so she could give it to Elisha. Yeah. She says, I got everything. You want us to talk to the king? Want us to put in a good word? I mean, talking to the king was a big deal. He could decree that you never again had to pay taxes. Yeah, talk to the king for me. That's good. No, she says, I'm contented. And then, you know, there's nothing like the guy hanging around. You ever have the guy hanging around? They always have to kind of insert themselves. That Elisha had a servant named Gehazi, or you can pronounce it Gehazi if you want to. And, yeah. You know, there's always somebody that's got something to say, and you kind of wish they wouldn't say it quite like that. So Gehazi jumps in, and he says, She doesn't have a son, and her husband's old. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I mean, don't you love it? Yeah. She didn't have a son, and her husband's old. Wow, praise the Lord. God bless you, too. Be warmed and filled. I mean, really? I mean, you know, couldn't you have been a little nicer, Gehazi? You know, she didn't have a son, and her husband is not in the best of health. I mean, you know, obviously, he's from Cal- Gehazi's from California, okay? And if he had been from Texas, he would have said, well, bless his heart. Okay, moving right along. So Elisha looks at the woman, he says, in about a year, you're going to hold a son. And she said, no, 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 to quit lying to me. But you know what? Nevertheless, guess what? Yeah, in a year, she has a son. And then the son, after he's grown, he's about 11 or 12, which is what that word means. He goes out. He goes out, listen closely, to his father, to... The reapers. Because if your promise ever really comes of age, you have to turn it loose and let that promise go out and work with the Father in the harvest. We have to turn him loose. And he got out there and he started complaining my head, my head. Now, medically speaking, he probably had a sunstroke, an arterial venous malformation rupture. You can say that and everyone will think you're speaking in tongues. Or a subarachnoid hemorrhage, none of which you can do anything with and all of which are deadly, okay? Back then, you couldn't, there wasn't anything you could do with that. Spiritually speaking, let me tell you what happened. Because anytime we really let our promise go, And that promise really gets, that promise in your life really starts working. And you start seeing beyond yourself. And you start getting out there in the harvest. You know what the devil does? He attacks your head. He attacks your thinking. He attacks how you perceive things, how you see things. And he says, come on back over here and be like the widow at Zarephath who's accusing the prophet of killing her son. So, like all good parents do... Dad looks at the kid and says, take him to his mother. <laughs> Come on. I mean, really? Like, where do kids go when they're sick? Come on. Most kids run to mom. We're designed that way. It's not a horrible thing. Dad's busy in the harvest. Kid goes back. He sits on mom's lap until noon and dies. And then an amazing thing happens. And this is what God is calling to us. This woman picks up her son. And we saw how that is not necessarily easy to do. And a far cry from the Zarephath woman, whose son had to be pried out of her arms by Elijah, she picks up her son and she hauls him up those stairs herself. And she gets up there to the prophet's room and she lays that boy on that bed herself. And then she does the unthinkable. She closes the door and walks away. Oh, he that has an ear, let him hear. We there are times quit, get rid of the list. Thank you, Rebecca. Get rid of the list. Lay it on. I don't care if it's the promise of God. When it feels dead, there's a time you have to lay it back in the prophet's room, close the door, and walk away and trust that God knows better. He's up to something we can't see. And for heaven's sakes, we've got to quit thinking. We have to know everything. You can't. Give it up. It isn't going to happen. Amen. Thank you, Bertie. That was good preaching. Yes. Okay. She walks away, and let me tell you, did you notice there's no moaning, there's no groaning, there's no wailing? She didn't pick up the phone and call all of her friends. You can't believe what's happened to me. You just can't understand. This is horrible. Remember, the other woman's going, she had every opportunity to be whining and crying and moaning, and what does she do? She sends word to her husband out in the field. Oh, listen to the spiritual application. She sends word to the father out in the field and says, I need a servant and I need the Ferrari donkey. I need the fastest donkey you got. The red one with the Ferrari emblem on it. And I need a driver that isn't afraid to go fast. I've ridden with people like that too. Uh Uh-huh. And of course, her, her, you know, the father out in the field, he's so anointed, he's so spiritual. Why are you going to see the man of God today? It's not Christmas. It's not Easter. It's not the new moon. It's not the Sabbath. Nothing special going on. What's the deal? And she says what our Bibles have translated, it is well. Some of them say it shall be well. And it's really a pitiful translation. Because what she said was the decree of Almighty God. She said, Shalom is the Hebrew word, y'all. That's the word. Shalom. What does it mean? Health, prosperity, healing, wholeness completeness and covenant peace with god Woo! her son is dead and all she says is health healing prosperity soundness wow covenant peace with god and life and give me the ferrari because i'm headed out to see the man of god and she told the driver i love this do not slow down unless i tell you to when was the last time you were hightailing it to God so fast and nobody better get in your way? Selah. And if you think a horse trotting is bumpy, I'm a horse rider. If you think that's bumpy, you ought to try a Ferrari donkey (laughs) because it's bumpy. And she said, do not slow down. Well, so they're going... You know, Gehazi, he's just always there in that, you know. So he's there, and Elisha's there, and they say, Elisha says, I see the Shunammite woman coming. I see her coming. Gehazi, go find out what's going on. And he runs up to her, and he says, is it well? Is it well with you and the the child? Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it okay? And you know what? She doesn't even tell him what's happening. Some of us need to quit talking to everybody else and start talking to Jesus," said with great love. And and really, I mean, I mean, really, f- please hear my heart. I know whereof I speak. I would love to feign innocence, and it would just be the biggest lie. How do you think we learn those things? Because we messed up. That's how we learn them. <laughs> She didn't tell Gehazi. What did she say? She made her decree. What did she say? Shalom. Everybody say it with me. Shalom. Yeah. She goes all the way up to the mountain. All the way up to the mountain, and she grabs Elisha's feet. And, you know, there's always some religious, arrogant, know-it-all hanger on her. That gets in the way. And Gehazi shows up and tries to push her away from Elisha. And let me tell you what. If you are really headed after God. If you've been on that ride with the Ferrari donkey. If you have been going as fast as you can. And if you have determined you are going to be in the presence of God. It's not the devil you have to worry about. Let me tell you it's the religious humbo jumbo people. That are going to tell you that God doesn't do it that way anymore. Come Come on. We know what the devil looks like. It's when he clothes himself and all the religiosity, we stumble. So, but Elisha steps in. He says, no, 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 don't push her away. Her soul is in bitterness, and God has not showed me what it is. So much for prophets knowing everything. Something's going on, I don't know what it is. And she never even tells Elisha. What happened? What does she do? Did I ask you for a son? She takes the promise back to the promiser and lays it at his feet. Did I ask you for a son? Hear the difference in the tone? Why did you come to kill my son? (laughs) What did she say? Did I ask you for a son? Did I not say... Do not deceive me. So Elisha delegates, sends Gehazi, and then she does something most miraculous. She grabs hold of his feet, and she says, quote, As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And something literally ricocheted inside of Elisha. Does anybody recognize those words? Yeah. Who would use those words? Elisha. Where did he use them? With Elijah. Every time Elijah tried to leave him in Gilgal, leave him in Bethel, leave him in Jericho, leave him before he crossed over the Jordan, what did Elisha say? As the Lord lives, And as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And that ricocheted inside of Elisha and up he went. And when Elisha got there to the room, you know what he found? He found a dead body on his bed. Who took him up there? The woman did. Mom took him up there. Who came and got Elisha? Mom did. Who wouldn't let go of the the word? Mom. Who refused to give up? Mom, hello, what did Elisha do? He walked up there and he did what he had heard his mentor had done. He stretched himself. There it is again. He stretched himself on the body. The body became warm. He went down. He walked back and forth in the house. Once he goes back up, he stretches himself on him again. And it says the child sneezed seven times because that dead promise has to get rid of everything inside of it that shouldn't be there that got planted by our own flesh and our own ideas and all of that stuff and it has to be sneezed out and seven's the number of completion and let me tell you in resurrection life there is a complete getting rid of what God did not put in that promise, how we embellish it, how we put things on it, how we decorate it, how we try to make it look like what we think. Elisha stretches himself, but once the sneezing's over, the boy's eyes open. And once the stuff has gotten out, let me tell you, our eyes will be open and resurrection life will happen. Now, there's a huge difference because what happened? What happened is that Elisha didn't take the boy down. He called mom up to get her promise. Elijah took the boy down to the mother and she reabsorbed him. Elisha called mom up gave her her son, it says she took him from heavenly places. Oh, listen, took him from heavenly places and went out. The woman in Zarephath, we never hear of her again. She disappears. She vanishes. She has a resurrected promise, and we never hear from her. But what happened to the Shunammite? Well, three chapters over, four chapters over, Elisha shows up and he says, A famine's coming. Take your son and go live in the land of the Philistines. She took her promise and she went out because the promise was bigger than her. And she went to the Philistine mission field for seven years and she let all those people, all those Baal worshipers, all those idol worshipers, hear about the resurrection power of Almighty God. Are you listening? How much are we willing to stretch? Are we willing to stretch and get that promise alive again? Are we willing to stretch and be uncomfortable? What are we willing to give up? Selah. When the famine was over, guess what? She comes back. And guess who's standing in front of the king? That pesky servant named Gehazi. And you know what the king wanted to know? tell me about all the stories of what God did through Elisha. What did God do? He wants to hear the stories and guess what? While he's telling the story about the resurrection power of Almighty God, the lady with the resurrected promise walks in and there's the story. When was the last time people saw the living resurrected promise of God in us? Hello? Amen? So what's the story? So many times we're contented to live over here in Zarephath and we get our miracle and we camp out and we've got what we need and we're content and that's all. But over here, the woman believed God. Over here, what happened? Remember the woman in Zarephath? Now I know that you're a man of God and the word of God in your mouth is truth. You know what happened over here? We never have a record of what Elisha prayed or what Elisha said. You know what we know? She is a woman of God, and the word of God in her mouth is truth, and she wasn't waiting for the prophet. She had her own. She had her own revelation. She had her own revelation. She had her own resurrected promise. She had the word of God in her mouth was the truth. What happened between Zarephath and Shunem? There's a bridge between Zarephath and Shunem. And until we go there, we (laughs) will forever be stuck in Zarephath. What happened between Zarephath and Shunem is that Elisha received the double portion. Are you seeing the big picture? Here's Zarephath. Here's Shunem. What happened? What's the difference? The difference is the double portion. See, here's what happened to Elisha and Elijah, and it's a whole sermon, but I'm going to give you the cliff note version. They're in Gilgal, and Elijah says to Elisha, stay here, I'm going over there. (laughs) Elijah says, as the Lord lives and... As your soul lives, I what? Say it with me. Will not leave you. So then they go to Bethel. Elijah says, stay here. I'm heading down to Jericho. And Elisha says, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Then he says, you know, hang out here in Jericho because... The Lord sent me to Jordan, and He said, "As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you." And they walk up to the Jordan. Elijah strikes the river. They walk across. He turns around. He says, "What do you want?" To Elisha, he says, "I want a double portion of your spirit." And oh, what dig that out? It's good breath. It's good. It's real good. Anyway, I want a double portion of your spirit. And he said you have asked a hard thing. When was the last time you asked God for a hard thing? Think about it. Elijah says you've asked for a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see no, I'm not special ops. (laughs) If you see me And as they walked along, what happened? Chariots of fire, yeah. Horses of fire, yeah. Now, you know where most of us would have been. Come on. Oh, wow, look at the horses. Oh, wow, look at the, wow, this is amazing. I mean, we'd have all over the chariots and the horses of fire, but that isn't what Elijah said. What did he say? If you see me when I'm taken up, you'll have it. And Elisha did. And Elisha did. Hello, you tracking? The first thing he did, it says he took a hold of his own clothes and he tore them in two, which was a sign of mourning. The Hebrew says he tore them into rags. You know why he tore them into rags? So he couldn't wear them again. So he couldn't go back to everything he knew. He couldn't hang on to what was comfortable. He shredded his old way and he picked up a lot oh I know sister I'm with you and he picked up Elijah's mantle and he didn't say wow I need to go on a retreat for 20 years and get a revelation from God and see if I'm mature enough to walk this out are you kidding he had the promise he saw it happen he picks up the mantle he walks right over there to Jordan which is illustrated by this awesome cord and he slaps it and he says where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the water parted. And I'm telling y'all, where is the Lord God of Elijah? The only way we get from Zarephath to Shunem is the fire of God has to separate us from everything we used to know. And when it does, where is the Lord God of Elisha? And you start walking in the double portion is there any what else what else can we say oh Lord send us signs wonders and miracles and he says have you been separated by the fire are you still over in Zarephath content to yell at God about what you didn't get do you want to be in Shunem but you don't know how to get there you got to go hang out and let the fire of God separate us from everything we knew and then quit waiting for 20 years. Pick up that mantle, get rid of everything you thought you had, tear that old thing into rags and go hit that river and cross. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Let's stand to our feet. Oh, Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you. We just, we just glorify your name. Oh, Father, we thank you. You know, I, 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 I don't know what to do altar call wise today. And I'll tell you why. Because I think this message is so individual and so tailored and so corporate for fireworks And so overarching to the body of Christ, I don't want to tell God what to do with it. And I started to call the elders to come be willing to pray, and I thought, no, we all need, we all just need to be with Jesus. So where are you today? Whatever God says, I trust you. Where are we today? Are we in Zarephath? Are we in Shunem? Are you like me? And you'll give anything to get to Shunem. And you don't care how much fire has to separate us. So I don't know what you need to do to respond to Jesus today. You may need to kneel. You may need to come forward. You may need to do something, but I'm going to challenge you Put out some effort. Do something. Take one step forward. Do something physical. God heard the voice of Elijah. He heard the voice. And you know what? I really don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm I'm crossing that Jordan again. I have slapped that thing with the mantle of Elijah. And I really don't care if y'all come with me or not. Because I'm headed. I am headed. I'm headed. And I know some of y'all are headed too. So... What do you need to do to tell Jesus yes? And whatever that is, it's here. And if you need somebody to pray with you, just come up and say, I need prayer. We're here. And now I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to let Holy Spirit talk to you. Praise the Lord.